0: My guest today is an advocate, he's an activist, and he is the creator of The Love Army. Barrett Paul has been using social media to educate others about everything from sexual assault to misogyny to racism and antisemitism. He's also someone who has humbled himself, learned from his past mistakes, recognized his privilege, and vowed to consistently and constantly do better. My conversation with him was rooted in love and understanding, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk with him and hear about his work.
1: You're listening to We Need to Talk.
0: talk. Barrett Paul, thank you so much for being on We Need to Talk today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: As I mentioned before we even started recording, I've been following you for a while and I just love your advocacy. I love your voice. I love your approach. And you stand up for so many groups, which I know as someone who also does that, it can get a little bit exhausting, but it's the right thing to do. But I want to know, when did your advocacy journey begin? Like, Was there a specific incident or movement that really made you want to use your platform to start speaking out and educating
1: people? Absolutely. Um, when I was 18 and first got to NYU, where I went to university, the very first week of school, I got involved in a protest for Darfur. And I remember feeling like this collective energy to use your voice and being so inspired and being like, I want this to be a part of my life. Mm. Um, and then when it comes to social media and the platform that I've been able to very gratefully create and be a part of the you know, the love army, as I call them the community that I'm a part of, it's not mine, I'm a part of it. Um, I think the pandemic really helped me lean into the things that I had always spoken about and done a lot of offline. I don't know if you remember, but you know, it was kind of like discouraged from, or we were discouraged from talking about the things that are, you know, now, super encouraged to talk about publicly, but it was yeah. kind of like, oh, you shouldn't tell everyone what you're doing with like nonprofits and NGOs. Like, you're doing it just for attention. And like, people knew me as a model. So everyone was like, w- w- what is this? And I was like, well, it's a huge part of what I do in my like everyday life. Like, I- I'd like to talk about it. And then just getting gaslit all the time was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like just not do it. And then yeah. the pandemic happened and I was like, fuck this. Like, it's socially irresponsible to not talk about all the things that are going on in the world right now. And I'm so grateful because I had left New York to go to San Diego and I was pretty much done with social media, but then it was like, how are you done when, when we're all stuck at home and this is a way to connect?
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring that point up that we were kind of discouraged from talking about these things. Specifically, like you said, you were a model before. I'm a singer and an actress. And they're like, just focus on your art or focus on whatever your you know occupation is going to be. Don't bring this in. But now it is a huge part of everybody's life. Do you feel like that shift is genuine or do you feel like it's become kind of trendy to get involved in activism and in advocacy?
1: I'm smiling really big. Cause you know, my feelings, I think that for, I, do, that's
0: why I asked,
1: <laughs> I think for a lot of people, it is a trend, you know, brands, especially it's, it's still a lot of performative action. I've just dealt with a brand recently that I am not going to do anything with. I'm not going to work with them. You know, they kind of got all excited and said all these things to me. And I was like, but the ethos at the company aren't there. So like, what is this? This is just for the public to consume and be like, good job. Um, And that's discouraging, but I do think more people are realizing that it's important to have an opinion and let your opinion be heard. I mean, in the entertainment industry, I was constantly told, like, don't be political. People want you to just be pretty, just smile. Like, it's easier, it's better for you. And I was like, this feels like I'm just pretending all the time. And as someone, at the time I wanted to be an actor, I was like, I want to have like a genuine life at some point. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that ever? Always.
0: (laughs) Always. It's just, it unfortunately does come with the territory of specifically the entertainment industry that's always always a thing um as you were talking though one one we're gonna get to a lot of the stuff that's been happening in the past week of course because that'll probably take up the bulk of our conversation but for you, because watching your TikToks and watching you on Instagram, you do advocate for so many groups and you do it unapologetically and in a very genuine way. And I love that you've found a balance in a way to do that. But and as someone who is also on the educating side of activism, I talk about having the ability to hold space for so many marginalized groups. And I know so many people can't. But how are you personally able to hold space for so many people without having it be debilitating for you and also just take care of your well-being because it can get exhausting and there are times <laughs> I personally do have to hit pause because I think that we kind of have the type of following where people come to us. Like you said, you have your Love Army group. People look to you and I've had, I mean, my DMs blow up for people thanking me and, you know, saying they lost hope until they saw a post and that makes me feel so good. But mm. Sometimes it can get overwhelming having mm. so many people look to you. So I'm curious mm. how you've managed to hold space for so many people but also take care of yourself in the process?
1: It's been a journey and I'm very honest that I've fucked up along the way. Mm -hmm. I got really angry during the pandemic, like the height of the pandemic, because I just saw so many people with big platforms that weren't saying anything and continuing to post, you know, selfies and product and all this stuff. And I was like, people are dying. Mm -hmm. People are losing their homes. People are getting sick. And you're sitting here being like, let's consume more. Um, And to be quite frank, like I still go on rants, you know, in the privacy of my own home with my partner and my friends, but I didn't want to be an angry person. I'm not an angry person. I grew up in a pretty angry home and I didn't want to perpetuate that. And I realized after kind of, you know, taking a big step back and having my best friends be like, you're not having fun. This is not good for you. You're a shell of yourself. Mm. And, you know, through the darkness, we can find greater light if we want. And I, I chose to look at it that way. And so I took a step back really like did some work, got back into therapy. My therapist was super important in like helping me create better boundaries with social media. Because I've been online in some ways since I was 19. I'm mm-hmm. 34. It's like more of my life has been online than off.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is wild. Yeah. Um, And at this point, it really comes with boundaries. And like, I don't really do a, a lot of creation. Like I'll maybe consume a little bit. I don't create a lot on the weekends, if at all. Sundays I kind of turn off my phone and just like, don't look at social media yeah. unless something really important is going on. Um, and then I think the other thing is realizing and remembering that we do have community, like just right now that we are there for each other to pick up the pieces when we need someone else to just help us and, and pass that baton. Because number one, none of us individually are going to change anything. It's all about collaboration and cooperation.
0: Yeah.
1: And number two, it's going to drain anyone if it's all the time, you know, it's, 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 it's still a dance that I do with myself being like, I have this privilege that I didn't have growing up and I want to use it. But I also need to remember that like, I'm a human and I have like the need for mental health and take a break and all these other things. And so I think it's just really remembering that collaboration is key. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are super important and that we are going to be able to make change if we continue to find ways to work together Mm -hmm and lead with love and that's hard that's really hard but i i know like it's so important so
0: it is is. i saw um a friend actually sent me this and i posted it earlier today but it was a quote that said liberation is a group project
1: Mm. and i just
0: loved that i loved that so you talking about collaboration that that made me think of that but one of the things that has always frustrated me
1: Mm.
0: About you know being there for other people and trying to work together, and I talk about oppression Olympics a lot
1: mm. and
0: you know the ability of marginalized groups and communities to show up for other groups and communities without there being conditions and it's it's been very disappointing for me as of late to see the rise in anti-Semitism. And people posting saying, but mm. there's always a but that follows mm. it. So what is your approach been to try to help people get out of this me, me, me mentality? Because for me, I've been trying to say, hey, it shouldn't just be we only show up for people that show up for us. We should show up because it's the right thing to do. And if they decide they don't wanna show up for us, you know what, fine. For me, I'm just like, then that's them, but I know I did the right thing. So I'm curious what your approach to that is.
1: Uh, um, For me, the big one has been to really refocus on who the common oppressor is. You know, as a black woman, as a queer Jewish person, we deal with the same common oppressor at the top of this patriarchy food chain. And it's not about the oppression Olympics, it's about how do we work together to address them you know, the white able-bodied cisgender heterosexual wealthy man and be like, you're not even happy and doing well in this situation. Like, do you really think Elon Musk is a happy person? <laughs> right. You know, and that's where I constantly say patriarchy hurts all of us. Um, And I have to, I have to say, I've also been, you know, a little disheartened to see, you know, so many people that do exist in other marginalized groups speak negatively about other ones. And I'm like, like, don't you see that we're just yeah. in fighting and they're all laughing at us and yes. like getting to create these awful podcasts where they like talk about garbage? You know, like and white get paid ma- for them. Yeah. Like these <laughs> like Joe Rogan's and who's an, I mean, he who shall not be named, Andrew Tate, like all of them are like literally sitting and giggling while they're wealthy, getting the rest of us to fight with each other yeah. about stuff that we shouldn't even be fighting about.
0: Agreed. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of my, biggest hangups. When I see any movement happening, there's always a question like, oh, well this, they're getting this. Why didn't we get this? It's like, well, I'll get it if we work together.
1: Totally. (laughs) That's absolutely
0: all we'll get it if we work together. Um, so yes, you did mention that you are a Jewish American. So my first question for
1: you is how are you? How are you? Um, it's Thank been you a for lot. asking. Thank you for asking. Yes, I don't get welcome. asked that question often. It makes me <laughs> kind of sad. Um, you know, I think it's sad. I growing up, this is a question I've been really reckoning with, and I haven't put it out there publicly. But I really want to ask people: like, when was the first time you realized you were oppressed? Mm. Because I don't think a lot of like Christian white people really understand that one, you're not really oppressed, um, and two, for like me, I remember being very young, maybe like eight, and reading this book called The Cage that was about the Holocaust and really identifying like, wow, like this could have been me so easily. Um, And I wasn't really raised with like religion, but we were definitely a Jewish family in a Christian area. So I felt anti-Semitism in ways that I didn't understand until I was even older. I mean, even just wanting a nose job for so long and processing like where that's coming from. It's like, oh, cause I have a Jewish nose and like, what does that even mean? And like deconstructing all the ways in which, you know, white supremacy sits inside of us. Um, And so as I answer this in a long way, no, uh, I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I'm better than a lot of people. And I continue to come into like a space of gratitude because that helps keep me energized and positive and optimistic, but it's sad. And like, I know I was thinking about this at the gym because it's all over the news right now. I don't want to see Kanye destroyed. I don't want to see this black man be ripped apart because it's easier to do it to him than it is one of these white men. Yeah. You know, at the same time, we have to hold people accountable that have a platform that big. And it's not mental health anymore. This is just hateful rhetoric being spewed and normalizing it for Nazis that run around in swastikas over the 405 with signs that say, like, Kanye was right. You know, and whether you're looking to just be clickbait or like go viral, you have to think about the actions and the consequences that come with that. And that's really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: do you think? I love that you said that you don't want to see him ripped apart because no, it's it, it, I get it. Trust me. I get it. I feel like anytime something like this happens, I always do come from the place of I do want them to go sit down for a while. Yes. <laughs> and think yes. and reflect and don't yes. come back from maybe a four or five years, right? Think about what you're doing. I don't want anybody to get ruined. I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I'm a fan of accountability as much as I know you are as well. So what would you like to see happen given the inflammatory comments that he's made, given the, you know, he's put more fuel into the fire of anti-Semitism, which on one hand, I'm glad that now people are aware that it is such a prevalent thing in this country and they weren't before. And it's kind of having a similar effect that George Floyd's death did that people were like, oh, black people haven't just been talking to hear themselves talk for this long, this is a thing. So I I feel like if we're gonna try to find a positive, that that is the positive. People are like anti-Semitism is a real thing. But from your vantage point, what does accountability look like specifically with
1: Kanye? Oh, oh, man. I mean, Kanye is such an interesting subject for so many reasons, right? Mm-hmm. He's been through his own struggles. His life was turned more public than I think he ever imagined when he got into the Kardashian family, who is a whole other point of conversation in a very interesting way, in my opinion. Um, he lost his mom. Like, yeah. I really try to come from a sense of humanity and that's hard. I'm not going to lie. That's hard sometimes, especially when you have someone spewing stuff like this. But as you said, I think it's important for him to take a really long break. I think you need, you, the only way you're going to see the light is to realize you're in the dark and then go, how do I come out of this with a team of people? And he has resources upon resources upon resources. And so it would just be like, rather than run towards the side that's going, come here, Kanye, we want you here, right? Like these racist, xenophobe, anti-Semitic, homophobic, awful people, being like, Kanye, like maybe you come over here and like just listen for a really long time and then come back because no one's no one's getting canceled. We're not killing people. Right. Right? Like (laughs) they're not going away. Yeah. I've had people try and cancel me for plenty of things. And I've always been like, I'm on your team. Like I I want to see everyone succeed. I come yeah. from an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset. And I think that's a big problem where we feel like I can't have what you have unless you don't have it. Yeah. Because yeah. patriarchy has told us that there has to be winners and losers. But I say this all the time. We're all losing right now. There's no winner and loser. We're all losing in the system. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I don't so, think people want to like reconcile with that fact and admit it because it is hard to to realize like oh nobody's actually winning at this moment well i mean like you said patriarchy is but none of us on this side are actually winning because we're being pinned against each other
1: yeah and this is the thing even let's say with like again conservative republican people they don't win anything when they win yeah Right. They're not gaining like a new right that they didn't have before. They're just keeping it away from someone else. So it's like, they're why? just giving
0: power to not do anything.
1: Exactly. And it's, I mean, sadly politics have turned into a sporting event. Yeah. It's like ride or die for your team. Um, no matter who the, the players are. I mean, I think sports are funny in that sense where it's like people are, this is my team. I'm like, yep, yeah, but your team trades players consistently. So like, why is this your team? Like, yeah. you know, like one season you love this player and then they get traded and you're like, they're the worst. Um So I think that that's what I would like to see. I think he just, I think he needs a break. I think he Mm -hmm. is so deep within so much stuff. And then because of the way in which media operates to make money and this goes for news, right? Like everything, they're just continuing to give him places to talk and just keep going. And he's like, okay, well, I still have the microphone. Like I'm going to just keep going and then sometimes double down and make it worse. And you're like, no, like, please just like, maybe we give the microphone to like, I don't know, a Black, queer, Jewish woman and let her say how it's been for her because those people exist.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's interesting you say that because I have questioned why they keep giving him a platform. And I think Trevor Noah said something so beautiful the other day. Love
1: Trevor Noah.
0: I love that man. And I'm so sad (laughs) that he's leaving because I feel like he is the perfect combination of intellect and comedy. You know, he knows how to soften the blow of situations, but also feed you with knowledge at the same time. And he basically said that when you know someone is unwell and then they're saying all of this stuff, don't put a microphone in front of their face. And that's so true. And it's been just a press tour for Kanye and it's just making things worse. And so, yes, the media absolutely has a lot of responsibility when it comes to this and they've they're stoking the fire absolutely
1: yeah, I mean sadly it's the same story over and over and I don't think Kanye sees it for what it is because he's in the middle of it and being given a mic but it's right. them using white supremacist tactics and using the black man to skew the hate that they believe yeah. and then take the brunt of the the harm from it and they'll use him and abuse him as much as they want and then throw him away when they're done the way they do yeah. to everyone that doesn't align with what they want to need. Yeah. I mean, when you have Donald Trump coming out and be like, Connie needs to calm down, you're like, what? Come on. Like, you were part of what fueled this from the very beginning.
0: Right. Right. So, I saw that and was like, I shouldn't be agreeing with you right now. But <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I so I know I talked earlier about how you protect your well-being, just you know, showing up for people. But how do you protect your peace in the face of hate and vitriol? Because that's a different part of it. That's a different part of the activism and the advocacy. You know, getting hate messages, getting anti-Semitism, I'm sure, getting a homophobic comments as well. So how do you protect your peace when you're dealing with that?
1: it's been a long journey to understand how to do this as well. Especially because, you know, as I mentioned, I was 19 the first time I like had some sort of public experience. And I remember the first like not nice comment I saw on like a model blog and the username was like GQ style guy something. And it was like the very first Polaroid I ever took for my modeling agency. And it was put online as like a new face. And I remember being so excited because this was a blog I had seen. And it felt like the beginning of this big career and this person was like, he was probably cute in his high school, but still has baby fat and won't go very far. And like the fact that I can still remember this is fucked. Wow. But I took that and I really thought someone at GQ meant that. Like I thought it was GQ, mm. which I later went on to work with, which was super cool. Um, But I think having this many years of experience with hate has really, in some ways been a, um, like a destructive thing because it up until recently made me go, I can handle this. I can handle the next level. I can handle more. Keep co- like, okay, let's go. Like you want to keep throwing it at me. Like I, I can take more than you even know, because I'm dealing with it for longer than you can imagine from places that I thought were safe. Like I, what you have to say is not going to affect me. And then I became a shell of myself. As I mentioned, and my friends were like, you need a break. And I was like, yeah. these are my loved ones. These people mean this. They, they know me. Um, and it was important for me to take a break. And it was something that to this day, I'm very conscious of. And the way I hold my peace in these spaces is to really remember that none of this is personal. Yeah. At 34, I can say this at 19. I couldn't have said this at 24. I couldn't have said this realistically at 30. It was still kind of hard at 34. I can really go anyone that has anything negative to say to me, whether about me or whatever else. It's projecting their own insecurities, and that's sad. And I feel for them, but I'm not going to put up with it.
0: Yeah.
1: And part of me holding my peace is to to kind of smile and put out like empowerment and education. And be like, this is why this is wrong. <laughs> like, you you can try and argue with it, but like, this is why this is wrong. Um. And as you mentioned, having so many people kind of come to you and thank you, it's huge. But there's also that moment where you can be like. I have to keep going. Like I, yeah. like they, like these people need me, and it's like yeah. you yeah. need to protect you first and foremost. How do you keep it for yourself?
0: I mean, as I mentioned, you know, being a mom helps because I put my focus into my daughter and my husband. So that's a very easy way to turn off. Um, she doesn't allow me to not give her much attention <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but that—that's really how. Because if I'm not in a good place, then I can't be in a good place for her. So I have to keep that in mind and also while trying to set the example of how to be a good person, how to love people, how to advocate for others. So it is a balance, but I think when I start to get weary or I start to feel like I'm engaging too much, then I, the same way, I have to take a break and I just have to to hit pause and turn my phone off because it is really important because you can't show up for other people if you're not well, like you said.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Do you engage ever with the hate? And have you ever been successful in Mm -hmm. having people realize how they've been? Because I actually have. And i it's probably like one in every hundred. But that one makes a difference and it always sticks with me. But I definitely had someone recently apologize Mm. because they came looking for a fight that I Mm. did not give them. Mm. And they realized why they were looking for a fight and where their blind spots were. Mm. And I still actually go back and forth with this person like they asked me questions and now feel comfortable. Mm. But it was such a humbling moment for me to feel like something I said actually made them think and mm. change their perspective a little bit. And mm. I can only imagine that you've probably had that experience as well because you do such incredible work. So have you had that experience?
1: To answer the first part of the question, I definitely used to be like really bad about engaging with the hate because I was like like what the fuck? Like right. again, like, I'm on your team. Yeah. I mean, you know, my advocacy online really started within the gay community. And specifically, I'd say more so like for gay men, because that's where I identified and it made sense. And I was welcomed into this world when I came out when a lot of people weren't coming out. And it was kind of like everyone loves to love you until they want to like hate you because, again, whatever the things are. And that was hard for me mm-hmm. because I tr- truly like just want to see everyone get along. Like I want everything to be okay. Like I grew up in a really angry house. And so, I think in a lot of ways, it kind of triggered some things for me that I don't talk about very often. Um, and then I kind of had a big, again, another big moment where I was like, why am I giving these people attention? This is what they want. Like, cause it, you know, sometimes you'd get someone like in a weird one-on-one situation and then they'd like totally change their tune. And you were like, whoa, this was like a weird strategic thing that you don't even probably understand you were doing. And it was like really mean. Um, but I've had like whole like anti-fan accounts about me where they're just like ripping me apart for everything. And that was hard, especially because I was like, I'm on y'all's team. Um, also, do
0: you have a job? I am always like
1: <laughs> surprised by the amount of effort that goes into things like that. Totally. And like why I, I, I don't do this. I don't like hate follow anything. Yeah, I'm neither. like, why put your energy into something you hate so much, which then tells me you actually have some interest in it, which is a, again, another interesting conversation when it comes to like homophobia and racism and all these other things. Yeah. Um, but I am grateful because I have had, you know, not a lot, but throughout the course of my career online, people apologize. And I'm like, I'm really grateful for that, but also like, that's for you to sit with. And I'm not right. going to like keep going with this every now and then I'll be like, thank you. That actually means a lot. Like, you know, I, I am on your team. I kind of try to end on that with most people. And then, you know, with something like TikTok where it's just a whole other world and my platform has gotten really big in a way that I did not see coming. More recently, I even had like someone just not apologize because they never did anything to me, but like heard me in a way that I was like, oh my God, yes, thank you. And it was a, mm. a white straight man. And I was like, this is who I'm like excited to see come into our space because we need yeah. y'all to heal, to share your power. Cause you're not just we're not going to be able to just take it. Like you really do have to want to share it. Yeah. But knowing that there is progress being made is very exciting, and why I keep showing up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's what keeps you going, and I and it's the same for me because I definitely think there are more pros than cons, but the cons can really hurt sometimes. They really, really totally.
1: Can. I mean, how many times do we hear creators talk about the fact that like you can get a thousand great, you know, we love you. You're awesome. Thank you. And then it's like that one comment that's just mean that you can't like stop focusing yeah. on. Yeah. So I try not to engage too much in the comment section anymore, even though we're encouraged to, I mean, everything's been gamified
0: right?
1: and I go in there and I like, you know, but if someone's just kind of spewing hate at this point, I'm like, you're not looking to have a mindful conversation and you're looking to like trigger and upset the people in here that are. So I just get rid of them and block them. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Um
0: so for me being a part of two marginalized groups, sometimes you know I do have to split my efforts as a woman and as a black woman. Yes. So for you being a part of two marginalized groups, the LGBTQ community and being Jewish, why do you think there are more blind spots with the Jewish community than pretty much any other marginalized group in this country, specifically when it comes to activism?
1: We're a small community. You know, Jews only reached the population that we were before the Holocaust in, I believe, 2010, which sounds like a long time ago. But for when you think about when it happened to when it finally reached the same size of population, that's a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I also think that, you know, Israel is an interesting point of conversation for a lot of people. And that comes with a whole other set of things that I don't have the right answer for. And I'm not an expert on. Um, So a lot of people are kind of like, well, they got this country, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're fine. Um, And we flow and we, we camouflage into other spaces. I mean, most people are very surprised when I tell them I'm Jewish and I'm like, I, at this point, have it very public because I do want people to understand this has been a big part of my journey and the things that I've processed, even though I may not look what you have stereotyped as what someone Jewish looks like, right? Like that in itself is kind of anti-Semitic. What does a Jew look like? Um, We come in all shapes, sizes, colors, hair, textures, like it's just everything. So I think for a lot of people, it just hasn't been something that they've been exposed to. Um, And that's why there's another, you know, big blind spot around the community and Jews have been very insular. You know, like when you look at our history, there's been so much hardship and so Jews tend to keep to Jews. And I don't even think I realized it, but some of my like majority of my best guy friends specifically are Jewish. And I was like, Oh, like, that's definitely something. And I need to like, think about why that is. Hmm. Um, You know, my partner is Latin and Catholic. So like we get interesting conversations and talk about different things and he's from Latin America. So, you know, he didn't really get exposed to Jews. It's just like, there's not a ton of Jews everywhere.
0: Yeah. So then, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. The population is very small. I think, I don't even think the percentage is like, like 3%. if not It's very small. It's, I don't know the
1: exact number, yeah, but, it's but it's very super, super small. small.
0: And I was yes. personally shocked to learn that. I was like, Whoa, because like, Somebody, one of my friends said to me, like, even the amount of Jewish people in the world, like, some people have more Instagram followers, <laughs> which yes. is wild to think yes. about. So, yes, I do think exposure to the Jewish community and being educated about history within the Jewish community is a huge, huge thing. So where we are now mm-hmm. with now anti-Semitism at the forefront of the conversation, thanks to Kanye,
1: but mm-hmm. still,
0: I'm glad it is at the forefront of the conversation. What is your hope? coming out of this?
1: My hope is that people continue to realize that we're all just humans trying to feel seen, heard, understood, and loved. You know, when I, I spent four years traveling the world, I went to some of the wealthiest places with some of the wealthiest people and to some of the most poor, just like, I think so many people forget that like having access to a refrigerator and a toilet is privileged. Mm, Wow. And to go into places, you know, the slums of Cambodia, of Kenya, of Brazil, and really see the way people are existing and living and having joy still really kind of smacks you across the face. And you're like, all of this, like everything, everything is just, what is it for? Um, And this is kind of like a big lofty humanity like answer, but I really do hope that more people just like realize like, we're just people. We're just people that want to feel all the things that you want to feel the same way that you want your family to do well and be healthy and find success and love. Um, and that it's not a perfect community, just like any community, right? Like the nuance has left so many spaces and conversations. And it's like, we all have work to do. None, none of us are perfect. I don't mm-hmm. want to be perfect. Perfect is unobtainable. It is boring. It is the death to like creativity and interesting conversations. And so for me, I do hope that more people start to ask questions And realize like, well, maybe I don't know anyone Jewish in my own personal life. And like, why is that? Is that because there's no one here? And like, why is there no one here? Um, A lot of people still don't understand like the real effects of the Holocaust. Yeah. You know, going into a concentration camp really does something to you. Like seeing it and, and being present in those spaces. It's like, I think you can't help but just feel the energy that is still present in those places. But those are so far away for so many people. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that need to change, but at the, at the core of all of this, like we have enough of everything for everyone to be okay. We've just really done a great job marketing as if there's not, and that we yes. need more. Um, and so for me, I guess the, the, the big thing is I just hope more people start to remember, like, you don't know what you don't know.
0: Amen. And sound advice. You are just a beautiful soul bear, And I'm really glad that we got a chance to chat. Please tell everyone where they can follow you when you are on social media and not taking a break and how they can follow all the great work that you're doing.
1: Thank you for having me. You are such a joy and such a, I'm so privileged to follow you and hear your voice and so grateful to connect. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Um, You can find me on all social media, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff at Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T, Paul, P-A-L-L. And yeah, nice and easy. But like, even as I say this, I remember like my last name is not really my last name. Like it was shortened at Ellis Island from something else because it was too Jewish. Oh, wow. And I don't even know what that was. I just know that it was shortened. So like even that I have to sit and be like, oh, right. Like there's anti-Semitism just like in my identity Mm, every day, all the time.
0: Wow. Have you tried to find the history of your last name?
1: I've done a little bit of digging. I've done like 23 and me it comes back that I'm like <laughs> my whole life, my parents were, were Jewish. I was like, what does that mean? Like, what countries are we from? Like there's this, you know, in third grade, it's like, you find out where your ancestry is. And my yep. parents are like, we're Jewish, we're American. We've been here for a long time. And I'm like, okay, cool. 23 mean comes back. It's like you're 96.1% Ashkenazi okay. Jew and a giant blue wave over like all of Eastern Europe and Russia. I'm like, what does that mean? You're like, thanks. <laughs> so it's probably like Polinsky or Palabowski, mm. something probably like this. My mom is Goldberg. Like that's real Jewish. So.
0: I love it. Well, Barrett, thank you so much. You are a joy and
1: we're going to keep fighting the good fight together. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me and for all that you're doing.
0: And to the listeners, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet and join us next week for a brand new conversation. Take care.